0: Isn't the name of Jesus wonderful? Isn't the name of Jesus wonderful? And all the world can come to him to have their sins removed. Isn't the name of Jesus wonderful? jesus beautiful isn't the name of jesus beautiful isn't the name of jesus beautiful son of god and one of us lover of our souls isn't the name of jesus beautiful eternal King you Jesus, powerful. Isn't the
1: name
0: of Jesus powerful?
1: Chains are broken.
0: Chains are broken when it's spoken. Every knee must bow. Isn't the name of Jesus powerful? Discern, on King. You there is healing in the name there is Isn't the name of Jesus all we need? Isn't the name of Jesus all we need? He's the way, the truth, the life, the only way to God. Isn't the name of Jesus all we need? He's the way, the truth, the life, the only way to God. It is
1: in the name of Jesus already. Amen. Great singers, you take a moment to turn around and greet those around you in Jesus' name this morning. continue our service this morning we move on to our recognition of graduates we have a number of graduates uh, high school and um, college who have graduated uh, this year so I'm gonna list their names um, and to make you aware as well and let's give them a round of applause at the end for their their accomplishment Isaac Miller Courtney Deppin and Brianna Turner graduated from Halifax High School so let's give them a round of applause this morning And then we have one person that I'm aware of that graduated from uh, university, and that's Jordan Pritchard, graduated from Bloomsburg University. I don't think she's here this morning, but we can still give her a round of applause. <laughs> Anyways, and, and Gary and Claudia, you can let her know that we clap for her this morning. Um, at this time, Jean's going to come and, and share a special.
2: When life gets you down, and you feel more broken than whole. When the wounds go deeper than words, and you can't tell a soul. I may not know what you're going through, and maybe can't take that high mountain move. But one thing I found, I really want you to know If it matters to you, it matters to the Master He wants to share the burdens you bear Whisper peace when your world gets shattered your greatest joy or your deepest pain or you're really needing an answer if it matters to you it matters to the master friend do you think the maker and giver of life is far too busy to care about your struggle and strife he sees the sparrow that falls to the ground and he hears the tears that don't make a sound YOU ONLY KNEW HOW PRECIOUS YOU ARE IN HIS SIGHT IF IT MATTERS TO YOU IT MATTERS TO THE MASTER HE WANTS TO SHARE THE BURDENS YOU BEAR WHISPER PEACE WHEN YOUR WORLD GETS SHATTERED if it's your greatest joy or your deepest pain or you're really needing an answer if it matters to you it matters to the master if it's your greatest joy or your deepest pain or you're really needing If it matters to you It doesn't only matter to you If it matters to you It matters to the Master It matters to the master.
3: Thank you, Gene, for reminding us of that, uh, that we have a God who cares and a God who loves us very, very much. I'm looking at our prayer ministry sheet, and uh, I want to update you on a few of the folks that Uh, we've been praying for now for some time. Um, Continue to pray for Joyce Hoffman. Uh, She did come home yesterday, uh, so that's some good news. Uh, So pray that she's able to get around and do the things uh, that she uh, is able uh, at home. So keep uh, Joyce in your prayers. Uh, Keep uh, Craig Williams. He's here with his uh, daughter uh, this morning. Good to have Craig with us. Uh, But keep him in in your prayers as well Uh, upon the passing away of his wife, Linda. uh, The funeral was just a few days ago, so uh, I'm sure that they can uh, use our prayers uh, continually. Uh, Also, um, Anthony Ribovich's grandfather, we had listed him here on our sheet. Um, He passed away uh, just a couple of days ago as well. So um, please pray for that family that God would give them the comfort that they need during uh, this time of loss. And then, of course, Denise Headings-Nolt, as uh, Tony, Pastor Tony, had mentioned, uh, we do have the white church out uh, for her uh, to help with medical expenses. She now is at home with hospice and the treatment that she's been given is treatment to keep her comfortable. Uh, So please keep her, as well as Karen and Elsie and other family members in prayer, uh, it's a very difficult time uh, for this family. So let's come before God now at this time, and we'll ask God to do what only God is able to do, uh, bring healing, bring peace, bring comfort. Father God, we thank you that you are a God that cares for us, a God who loves us with a love, Lord, beyond our imagination. You're a God who is concerned about all the things we go through. Father, it was sung well that what matters to us, Lord, Lord, matters to you as well. It's hard to comprehend that, to think that the great and omnipotent God of the universe really cares about each one of us. Father, we are, as the Bible says, we're very puny. And yet, Lord, you look down upon us and you are interested in us. As small as we are, as insignificant as we are. Father, in your eyes, we're greatly loved. And so, Lord, when we come before you, we know that you hear us. We know that you care for us. We know how much, Lord, you are involved in our lives. And so, Lord, when we look at folks at this time that are grieving and struggling and going through very difficult times, Lord, you're right there for them. Lord, you know all things. These things didn't surprise you. These illnesses, these deaths, Lord, these are not things that are accidents, but, Father, according to your will. For, Father, you are sovereign. You are a great God. And so as we approach your throne. Lord, it's not just coming before you as Father, but we're coming before you as the Holy One. Father, there are folks who are grieving. We think of the Williams family. We think of the Ribovitch's family. Uh, Father, these who have lost loved ones recently, we ask that you, Lord, might touch them Give to them peace that passes all understanding. Father, we pray for Joyce now as she has returned home. Strengthen her. Father, we pray. Keep her from falling. Help her to be careful. Father, we think of the Headings family. We think of Elsie and Karen this morning. Marvin and others, Lord, who are going through a very difficult time. Father, we know that in the Gospels, Jesus touched people. He healed the lame. He brought sight to the blind. So we pray, Lord, that you might touch Denise's life. You might heal her that you, Lord, might raise her up. Lord, you said we're to pray the desires of our heart. Father, that's what we would hope would be done. But Jesus would close his prayers by saying, but thy will be done. So grant comfort, I pray, to each one involved. Again, Father, we are thankful this morning that you are a wonderful God. And, Father, when we come together in a church on Sunday mornings, you have promised to be there with us. Father, help us to sense the Spirit's presence. Move into our hearts, into our lives. May we give your Spirit free course in our hearts to change us to mold us, to conform us to the image of your dear Son. Father, I thank you for the time that you've set aside this morning. We've come to worship you. we come to see Jesus. Father, we've come to sense the power of your Spirit. So move. Move into our hearts and lives. Bring about the necessary changes as we strive to be holy as you are holy. Lord, we thank you for who you are and for loving us to this extent that you would send your son into our world to die for our sins. Father, we think now of our Graduates, Lord, a new chapter in their lives have, has ended, but Father, there's a whole new chapter to be written. Please guide and direct each one. May your spirit, Lord, give them and show them the direct path they now are to take. Again, Lord, to think that you're here is amazing. But you are. And for that, we're grateful. In Jesus' name, amen. How great thou art, hymn number 32. Leonard's going to come and lead us in this hymn. How great thou art.
4: We certainly do serve a great God. I think sometimes, many, many times I think that even beyond our greatest imaginations that we serve a God. And I think of George Beverly Shea and right anytime we sing this song, and I'm sure all the rest of you remember his melodious voice as he sang, How Great Thou Art. Let's sing it together. I used get to stand with me to sing this together, then those in junior church can be dismissed. <laughs> Oh Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art,
3: how great
4: Thou art. Thank you, and you may be seated.
3: As Christians we are to march to the beat of a different drummer. We're to swim against the tide. For the Bible says that we are in this world, but we're not to be of this world. We're not to be involved in its values, the evil practices, the worldly pleasures, the sinful actions. Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, be not conformed to this world. He also writes in 2 Corinthians 6, come out from among them and be ye separate. This morning we're going to look at a woman, a woman who stood alone, who stood in faith, against the total culture which surrounded her. In Joshua chapter 2, we're going to see an example of what it really means to live by faith. What does that mean? We read it throughout the scriptures that without faith, it is impossible to please God. What does that mean? For you and I to really live by faith. Last week we looked at Joshua. And Joshua, I said, was a man who lived by faith. Joshua was given a huge task, a challenge. He was to lead the nation of Israel across the Jordan River into the promised land now that task would only be fulfilled because he was a man of faith because as I said last week and Jesus said himself in that parable he said I give people a few things to see whether or not they will be faithful and if they are then I will give them more and if they're faithful in these things then I'm willing to give them some real challenges. But God doesn't start with the big challenges until first we proved ourselves in the smaller things. Joshua has already proven himself. And so God now is going to challenge him to lead this sinful, weak nation across the river into the promised land. This morning we look at a woman, a woman who lived by faith. Turn, if you will, please, to Joshua chapter 2. And let me just read verse 1 and then say a few things before we get to our outline. Look at Joshua chapter 2 and verse 1. Then Joshua, son of Nun he secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and they entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. Joshua was already a spy. Years earlier, under the leadership of Moses, Moses sent joshua as well as 11 other spies into the land of canaan joshua knew what it was like to be a spy and so joshua now is going to use the same military strategy that moses used years earlier and moses decides if i'm going to take this group of people into the promised land we need to spy out the land and figure out what the land looks like, who the people are. And so he finds two spies and he sends them into the land. Jericho was a city of massive walls, a a city that was well defended, a city that was fortified. Let me show you on the map uh, 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 where Jericho was in relationship to the people of Israel. Now I know this is awfully hard to see way way in the back. Um, However here is the land of Israel. Uh, Down here we have the whoa there we go down here we have the Dead Sea. Here is the Jordan River which leads to the Sea of Galilee. Amazing technology isn't it? Well right here is Jericho. Here's the city of Jericho and over here on this side of the river encamped is the nation of israel so here is joshua did i lose my red No. Nope. here is joshua and he sends two spies across the river here to spy out especially the city of jericho so these two spies they go into jericho and it says in verse one that they stayed and entered the house Of a woman named Rahab every time we see in the Bible the name Rahab her occupation is always included she's always Rahab the prostitute now these massive walls that surrounded Jericho were wide enough that you could actually build on top of them and many think that Rahab had a house or a hotel, or a brothel, whatever you want to call it, on the outer wall of Jericho. A home in which she always invited any man who came through the gate. This was her occupation. This was who she was. And here come the spies. And the spies, we read, stayed in her house. Now we come to the outline. Let's keep reading. Look at verse 2 of Joshua 2. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab, bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, the men, they did come to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof, And hidden them under the stalks of flax that she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone, the gate was shut. The first point this morning is this Rahab's faith in action. Rahab's faith in action. The entire city of Jericho was on alert. The entire city of Jericho was on edge. They knew that Israel was just across the Jordan. They knew that Israel was knocking on their back door. And so when the spies come, the king is informed that they've come into Jericho. And so he sends messengers to the house of Rahab. where are they we know they've come well Rahab didn't deny that she said you're right they did come here but they left and maybe just maybe if you start out quickly and go now maybe you can catch them now the bible was quite clear that Rahab was lying to these soldiers Because what we have in this one verse is, is that she had hid the men up on the flat roof of her house among the flax stalks that were drying. Now, when we come to this text, the question is always raised, what about this lie? She lied clearly to the soldiers. She sent them on this this wild goose chase. And yet we read that she's commended for her actions. Turn to James chapter 2. Look at James chapter 2. Now let me give you some background about chapter 2 of the book of James. What James is arguing is this. He's arguing that faith without works is dead. He said, show me your faith and I will show you my faith by my works. Now we know this morning that we are saved by faith alone, right? We know that. However, when we are saved by faith, a person's life is so changed that it will bear fruit. It is so changed by God's Spirit that we will begin to do things differently. We're not saved by works, but when we are saved, we will work it out. That's a given. That's what James is arguing in chapter 2, that you have to have works in order to have true faith. If there are no works and there is no fruit, most likely it's not true faith. So, what does James do? Well, he uses, first of all, Abraham as an example. And in James James chapter 2, he says, think about Abraham, the father of Israel. He believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. Right? He was saved, we would say. But then it says here in this text that he offered Isaac as a sacrifice. That was his work. And so his works are showing that he had believed. And then what we read in James chapter 2, verse 23, notice. It says, and the scripture was fulfilled and says, Abraham believed God. It was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. You see, a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. Now, look at verse 25. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? Rahab is not condemned for what she did, even for her lie. She is commended for it. I've taught this passage before, and I know when I would come to the conclusion, I would say, you know, lying is never, never, ever right. But as I was studying this week, now don't kick me out of the church yet. I was looking at the life of Rahab, and then I was thinking of back in Exodus chapter 1. Do you remember that passage? Turn back to Exodus chapter 1. You remember the mid—remember Pharaoh of Egypt? Remember the Pharaoh? And what did he want? He wanted all the little baby Hebrew boys killed. Right? Pharaoh that Israel was growing as a nation and he decided that we're going to kill every baby boy that comes into this world. And so the midwives were instructed by Pharaoh You kill, the let the girls live, but the boys have to all die. Look at Exodus chapter 1 and verse 19. Now, this is when Pharaoh comes to the midwives because the midwives, they were not listening to Pharaoh. They were not killing the little baby boys. And Pharaoh now wants an explanation. Why didn't you obey my command? Now listen, (laughs) verse 19, the midwives answered Pharaoh. Hebrew women, they're not like the Egyptian women. They're vigorous. And they give birth before the midwives arrive. <laughs> Listen, I think women are women, right? It's not like one, one group of people over here, uh, they have labor and bam, you know, the baby's born. And this other group of people, the Egyptians over here, they, they have really long, drawn-out labors. And so the midwives say to Pharaoh, well, you know, the Hebrew women, they're vigorous. My word, they have one labor pain and we can't even get there before the baby's born. They lied to Pharaoh, right? They lied to Pharaoh. And yet notice verse 20. So God was kind to the midwives and the people increased and became more numerous. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. God didn't even condemn them for lying to Pharaoh. He actually commends them and rewards them for what they did. I think of those during the Holocaust those who were hiding the Jews, those like Corey Ten Boone, can you imagine her being asked by the Nazis, have you hidden any spies? What do you think her answer would be? Oh, yes, they're, they're down in the... No, no, no. She probably lied. Who of you, parents, who someone barges through your door, at gunpoint, and you've already hidden your children upstairs in the closet, and they say, Is there, are there anybody else in the house? You say, what are you trying to say this morning, Pastor? <laughs> it appears to me that lying was justified to spare human life. That in order to spare life that was created in the very image of God. Now I know the argument on the other side. Could God not have saved the spies? Of course. Could God not have spared the little baby boys back in the book? Yes, we know nothing is impossible with God. God could have spared them. But he didn't condemn them for their lives. Now, you work that through your grid. As I said before, I always would come to the end of this passage and say, lying is never right. But something in me this week said, you know, if life, human life can be spared, maybe, just maybe, God's okay with a lie. Now, I know I'm going to hear it this week. I'm going to get the emails and all those. That's okay. But you know I'm right. <laughs> you know I'm right in this. No, no, no. Uh, I, I'm just kind of sharing my thoughts. This whole thing just kind of changed this week as I was thinking about these lives that God seems to commend and not condemn. Anyway, point number one faith in action. Her faith is seen in what she did. Her faith is seen in what she did. And over in James, she's commended for what she did. All right, point number two. Rahab's faith is based on what she heard. Rahab's faith is based on what she heard. Now, where is she living? She's living in the city of Jericho, she's living among people who are faithless. She's living among people who are immoral. She's surrounded by evil. She's surrounded by wickedness. And yet she alone, the Bible says, has faith. She alone has faith. Personally, she doesn't know God, right? Personally, she was never given the law of God. She's never sacrificed a a, a lamb on the altar, directly she has no contact with God it's all hearsay look at what it says in verse 8 of chapter 2 it says before the spies lay down for the night she she went up on the roof and she said to them I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you Now listen, look at verse 10. We have heard. We have heard. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. We have heard what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. Where did her faith come from? It came by hearing from others. You know, the Bible says in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's good King James. It really is. That's how I memorized that verse. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Your faith is based on hearing. Your faith is based on things that you heard. Our faith is dependent on others, what others have experienced and what others have seen. I didn't see Jesus hang on the cross, did you? But I've been told that he did. Through the scriptures, I'm able to read the Bible and I hear the word of God and my faith is based upon that, upon eyewitnesses who have seen Jesus. I believe Jesus came to life. I didn't see Jesus walk this earth, but I know that there are eyewitnesses as we looked at a few weeks ago. And my knowledge is through their witness. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. I believe because I've heard. I've read. You know, Paul, he says in Romans chapter 10, verse 14 it's interesting because he he uses a series of rhetorical questions uh, to state the condition that is necessary for all of us to call upon god how do you call upon the lord what is necessary for you to be saved what is necessary for you to call upon the lord well notice what it says in romans chapter 10 i want you to notice these questions they're coming they're coming this is what Paul says how then can they call on the one they have not believed in how can you call on Jesus and how can they believe in one of whom they have not heard and how can they hear without someone preaching to them this is these are the conditions that need to be met right what is he saying Well, Paul, again, by means of these questions, Paul is saying this. First of all, you need a preacher. You need the gospel proclaimed. You need a message that is heard. And then the message needs to be believed. If you take these questions and you boil it down, these are the four conditions necessary. Someone to proclaim the gospel, the message has to be heard, and the message has to be believed so as the preacher this morning that has been sent to you let me proclaim the gospel okay for in order for you to call upon the name of the lord these conditions need to be met i am the preacher standing before you this morning now what you need to do is hear the message here's the gospel paul says in 1 corinthians 15 christ died for our sins according to the scriptures he was buried and he, was, and he rose the third day according to the scriptures. Preacher sent. Here's the gospel proclaimed. The gospel is clear when Paul states it in 1 Corinthians 15.3. That Jesus, he died for our sins. Which means that we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. We need to understand that. That we have sinned against the holy God. That we're not what God intended for us to be. And so Jesus had to die, not for his own sins, but for our sins. The greatest need in the world today is the forgiveness of sins. Jesus died for our sins, he was buried, proving that he really was dead, and he rose the third day according to the scriptures. Now that's the gospel. You believe that, and you are saved. You believe that you have sinned against God and trust Christ in his death on the cross to save you and you will be saved. Preacher sent. Gospel has just been proclaimed. That's my work. Your responsibility now, according to Paul's questions, you need to hear. Now, if you're not sleeping, <laughs> you just heard the message. And then the final step is the message believed not enough to hear faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god so to believe to trust in jesus then is to be saved and then paul goes on to say in romans chapter 10 and verse 9 now if you confess with your mouth jesus is lord and believe in your heart that god has raised him from the dead you then will be saved that's god's promise You see, you trust Jesus. You believe the message that you've heard. See, faith comes by hearing. We didn't see Jesus on the cross. We didn't see his blood that was spilt to the ground. We never saw a resurrected Lord, but we hear. Our faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of God. And then Paul says you confess with your mouth. Now notice what happens in Rahab's life. Rahab she heard of the great and amazing things that happened to Israel through the power of God. She heard about the Red Sea being divided and them walking across on dry ground. She heard the great defeat of the kings, Sihon and Og. <coughs> and the Bible says she believed. Now, look at verse 11. This is her confession. When we heard of it, see, we heard, when we heard, (coughs) our hearts, they melted in fear, and everyone's courage failed because of you. Now, here's her confession. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. She didn't know everything about God. But she knew enough to be convinced that Israel's God was the true God. She knew that the God of Israel was the true God. The idols and Jericho and all the rest of this stuff, she recognized this was all false. It's Israel's God who is the true God. Turn back to Hebrews chapter 11. (coughs) Look at Hebrews chapter 11. You know, Hebrews chapter 11 is is an interesting chapter. Um, It it, it lists men of faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, we have what uh, some call the hall of faith. You have the great men of faith in the Old Testament, the, the Abrahams the Isaacs, the Jacobs, the Moseses. And then in the list of all of these men, we have one woman. Among all these men of faith, we have one woman listed in chapter 31. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Now in a couple of weeks, we're going to look at Jericho and the walls come crashing down. Remember where she's living, Rahab. She's on the wall. Her house is on the wall of the city of Jericho. When the walls come tumbling down, here we read that everybody within the city is going to die except Rahab and her family. Why? Because of the faith she had in God and in hiding the spies. By faith, she welcomed the spies and was not killed with those who were disobedient. The only woman mentioned in Hebrews 11, the only woman in the city of Jericho with faith. Can you imagine standing alone in that kind of culture? Being surrounded by immorality and idolatry and all of these things taking place and yet standing alone? What a tremendous example of someone marching to the beat of a completely different drummer, going against the current of the culture living in a corrupt world and yet not conforming to it, living in a world surrounded by evil yet not walking in its path. We live in a culture that is constantly tugging for us to conform to it as well. But the Bible says we're not to be engaged in the things of the world. The Bible says we too are to stand and not be engaged in the sinful activities the wicked values the worldly pleasures the bible even says that the culture not only should not be influencing us but we as christians we ought to be influencing our culture as we stand alone that we are to be the light of the world in a world that is filled with darkness that we are to live in such a way that those who are outside the family of faith might see our good works and know that there's something different about that person over there jesus said in matthew chapter 5 and verse 16 let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven Let me close with this illustration. As the Allied soldiers swept through war-torn Germany near the end of World War II, some troops, they came upon a bombed-out house that was totally reduced to rubble. But they discovered that the basement of this house, it was still intact. And so when they entered into the basement, they found etched on the wall the star of David, a symbol of the Jews in Israel. And below that star, they found these words. I believe in the sun even when it doesn't shine. I believe in love even when it's not given. I believe in God, even when He does not speak. Now folks, that's love. Or that's faith. That's the kind of faith that Rahab had. It's the kind of faith that the Lord desires that we have as well. We look at Rahab and we see what it means to live by faith and so father as we come before you this morning we are thankful we are thankful lord that you have called us to yourself and as christians lord we do live in a world that is tugging for us to conform to it but lord help us to stand help us to stand alone if necessary but help us to stand and not be conform to all that the world is trying to offer us help us to live by faith and not by sight in jesus name i pray amen if you would take your hymn books take uh, them and turn to 453 hymn number 453 and camped along the hills of light ye christian soldiers rise I think what we'll do this morning is we're going to sing just stanza number one and the refrain just the first stanza alone and then we'll be dismissed and camped along the hills of light let's stand together please and we'll just sing stanza number one Encamped along the hills of light ye Christian soldiers rise and press the battle ere the night the glowing skies against the foe in vales below all our strength be heard Faith is the victory we know that overcomes the world Faith is the victory. Is the victory, oh glorious victory, that overcomes the world. Father, give us that faith. Father, we often feel as though we're, we have little faith. Help our unbelief. Give us the strength, Lord, to be able to stand against the current of the culture. Help us to live by faith. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.